You're listening to episode 39 of the Liam Photography Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about lenses and Sony's new camera. All of this on episode 39. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 39. I want to thank all of my listeners again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in iTunes and anywhere else you might be listening to the show, which does now include Radio.com. I once again want to thank the good folks at Radio.com for adding this show to their library. So in this week's episode, I have news about lenses that has to do with Tamron and Sigma and a new camera announcement from Sony that I know a lot of folks have been anxiously waiting for. So let's get into it. So is Tamron to make lenses for the Canon RF and Nikon Z mount mirrorless? French website Phototrend posted a recent interview with Tamron executives at CP Plus 2019. Tamron said that they are still studying on whether they would release Canon RF mount and Nikon Z mount full frame mirrorless lenses. Below is some of the information from the interview. The new Tamron 17-28 f2.8 DI3 RxD lens has a superb optical quality as the Tamron 28-75 f2.8 DI Mark III RxD lens. While the price will be much lower than Sony lenses, they are still studying on releasing lenses for Canon RF mount and Nikon Z mount. When the time is ready, they are happy to develop these lenses. About new announcements, Tamron's SP35 f1.4 DI USD lens. Their goal with this lens is to be the number one of 35mm f1.4 in terms of quality. Now that's going to be interesting because Canon already has a 35mm, I think a 1.2. L and I, Tamron's uh, making huge claims that they're going to try to make a lens that's the best in the 35 millimeter focal length, especially when they got to compete with the likes of Canon. And I'm not sure, but I believe Sony might have a really good G Master 35 millimeter, but I'm not 100% certain on that. So if I'm wrong, don't flame me, don't send me a bunch of hate mail, just let me know I'm wrong. Uh, Tamron FE telephoto zoom lens for Sony full-frame mirrorless cameras will also be coming soon, and also some FE prime lenses. So it sounds like Tamron is going to be working hard to develop new lenses. Whether or not they're going to get into the RF and Z mount is yet to be seen, but it is a possibility if they feel it's viable enough. I think they will eventually because the RF mount and Z mount are what Canon and Nikon are going to stick with going forward. And as most other people have said, this is the death knell period for the DSLR. Chances are, after Canon and Nikon release their new flagship cameras next year, the 1DX Mark III and the D6, those are more than likely going to be Canon and Nikon's last professional DSLRs. More than likely, within a year or two after that, both companies are going to release a flagship mirrorless full-frame camera. Now, I will include a link to this article in the show notes for this episode so you can check it out for yourself. 
The next item I wanted to talk about, again pertaining to Tamron, is Tamron lenses and RF compatibility. Tamron updated their 150 to 600 millimeter f5 to 6.3 G2 model number A022 to work with the Canon EOS R cameras with the EF to EOS R adapter. The other lenses that are claimed to be compatible by Tamron are the 15 to 30 millimeter f2.8 G2 model number A041, the 17 to 35 f2.8 f4 model number A037, the 24 to 70 f2.8 G2, which is model A032, the 35 millimeter f1.8, which is model number F012. There are 45 millimeter 1.8 F013. There are 70 to 200 F2.8 G2 model A025. The 70 to 210 F4 model A034. There are 85 millimeter F1.8 F016 model. And the 90 millimeter F2.8 macro, which is the model F017. Now, all of this information is coming directly from Tamron, and I can include the link to the article in the show notes. You can also go over to Tamron's support site and read up on their compatibility, full compatibility list on there. They do list which of their lenses are compatible uh, for Canon, Nikon, as well as Sony, so you can check that out and get all the details on that site, and I will include the link for that in the show notes as well. Now, the next thing I want to talk about in this episode is Sigma getting ready to announce their first RF mount lenses. In the next few weeks, can, uh, Sigma is rumored to be announcing four new lenses for the Sony FE mount, as well as their shared L mount with Panasonic and Leica. The Sigma 35mm f1.2 DGHSM, the Sigma 45mm f2.8 DGHSM, the Sigma 12-24 f2.8 DGHSM, and the Sigma 24-70 f2.8 DGHSM. It's now rumored that Sigma will also make these lenses for Canon's RF mount. It's unknown when they will be announced or if they will be announced alongside their Sony counterparts. It'd be a good move for Sigma to get in on early on making lenses for the RF mount as Canon's RF lens lineup obviously needs some more time to mature. Now, I've talked about this before. You know, Canon does have some great lenses in the RF mount, but their pricing is all over the place. And to be honest, it's quite confusing. You know, I've mentioned in previous episodes, their 50mm 1.2L in the RF mount is $1,000 more expensive than the EF Cousin. And the same with their 28 to 70 being $1,300 more expensive than their 24 to 70 in the EF mount, both of those lenses being f2.8. Now, the why I said it gets weird is because the pricing on those two lenses is ridiculously high, but their 35 millimeter RF uh, STM macro lens and their 24 to 105 L are both the same price as their EF counterparts. Now, we're also waiting for the pricing on the new lenses that Canon's getting ready to release for the RF mount, the 20, uh, the 70 to 200, and a couple of others. We're going to have to wait and see if the pricing is going to be ridiculously higher than their EF counterparts, or if Canon's going to keep them priced the same 
in order to generate more sales. Me personally, I'm not about to dump all of my EFL glass and switch to all RF glass when Canon's just all over the place on their pricing. And some of the lenses, in my opinion, are just ridiculously overpriced. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. Now, also in news from Sigma, Sigma updates Canon EOS R compatibility list with a lot more lenses. So this is exciting for EOS R and RP shooters. Third-party lens compatibility on the Nikon Z and the Canon EOS R cameras has been a hot topic for many of those looking to switch. Neither Nikon nor Canon exactly have a wide range of lenses for their respective systems as of yet. And while Tamron has been scurrying to release firmware updates, Sigma has been plowing through their entire catalog to check compatibility. Sigma has now announced an, up, an updated list for Canon EOS R compatibility with quite a few more of their EF mount lenses adapted to fit on the EOS R. There are one or two caveats with some lenses, but I think that for the most part, those Canon Sigma shooters looking to add an EOS R to their arsenal can probably rest easy. Quote, when Sigma's interchangeable lenses in the current product lineup listed below are used in combination with the Canon EOS R in their mount adapter, EF to EOS R, or control ring mount adapter, both AF and AE operate without any issues. Furthermore, lenses which operate or incorporate optical stabilization will work with the OS function properly in effect. Now that quote comes directly from Sigma, but no name is given. Sigma splits up the compatibility chart into two lists, DG and DC lenses. Sigma's DG lenses are the full-frame models, while the DC denotes 1.6x crop APS-C lenses. Using one of their DC lenses with the Canon EOS R adapter does not automatically put the camera into 1.6 crop mode, though, so you'll have to enable that manually, because if not, you're probably going to end up with super, severe vignetting, because at full frame mode, you'll end up shooting the interior of the barrel of the lens. So under DG lenses, the following lenses are now 100% compatible with the EOS R and RP if you're using the EF to any of the EF to EOS R adapters. The Sigma 12-24 F4 DG HSM Art, the Sigma 14-24 2.8 DG SM Art, Sigma 24-35 F2 DG HSM Art, the Sigma 24-72.8 DG OS HSM Art, the Sigma 24-105 F4 DG OSM Art, the 60 to 600, I'm just going to give you the lenses, uh, the, the focal lengths. I don't want to read this list, uh, the whole details of the list, because it's going to take forever. I'll put a link to the, the list in the show notes so you can check it out for yourself. The Sigma 70 to 200 2.8, the 100 to 400 F5 to 6.3, the 120 to 300 F2.8 Sport, the 150 to 600 5.3 to 6, or 5 to 6.3 Contemporary, the 150 to 600 Five three or five to six three sport, the Sigma APO two hundred to five hundred two point eight, the Sigma APO three hundred to eight hundred f five point six, the Sigma fisheye eight millimeter, the Sigma fourteen millimeter, fifteen millimeter, twenty millimeter f one point four, the twenty four f one point four, the twenty eight f one point four, the thirty five one point four. The 40 1.4, 50 1.4, 85 1.4, 105 1.4, 105 1.4, 105 1.4, 105 1.4, 105 1.4, 105 1.4, 105 1.4, 105 1.4, 105 1.4, 105 1.4, 105 1.4, 105 
135 f1.8, the 500mm f4 Sport, the 70mm f2.8 Art, the Macro 105 f2.8, the Macro 150 2.8, and the Macro 180 f2.8. Now, as far as DC lenses, this list is a little bit smaller. The Sigma 8 to 16, the Sigma 10 to 20, the Sigma 17 to 50, the 17 to 70 Contemporary, 18 to 35 Art, 18 to 200 Contemporary, 18 to 250 Macro, the 18 to 300 Macro, the 50 to 100 Art, the 4.5 f2.8 Fisheye, the 10mm f2.8 fisheye, and the 30mm f1.4 art. The camera's scene intelligent auto mode, though, cannot be used. Three particular lenses do exhibit some slight quirks, which Sigma also mentioned in their new list. The Sigma 24-70mm f2.8 DGOS HSM art may require the battery to be taken out once if restarting the camera does not work when the lens is taken off the camera while the lens's OS function is in operation. It may stop the focus driving from infinity to closer focus distances while shooting video with AF. On the Sigma 60-600 f4.5-6.3 DG OS HSM Sport, may require the battery to be taken out once if restarting the camera does not work when the lens is taken off the camera while the lens's OS function is in operation. Now also on the Sigma 100-400 f5-6.3 DG OS HSM Contemporary may require the battery to be taken out once if restarting the camera does not work when the lens is taken off the camera while the lens's OS function is in operation. Also, it may stop the focus driving from infinity to closer focus distance while shooting video with AF. So most of Sigma's discontinued lenses haven't been fully tested, of course, for obvious reasons. So your mileage will vary with those lenses depending on the product, when it was released, and which version firmware the lens is running. And these old lenses will need to be sent to Sigma for firmware updates, assuming an update is even available, as they don't work with the dock but the lists above should offer plenty to keep you going for a while. You can find out more on Canon EOS R compatibility on the Sigma website, and I will share that link in the show notes for this episode. Now this, of course, is exciting news for anybody that has the EOS R or RP that Sigma is possibly going to be jumping into the RF mount ring soon with their lenses. Now, as far as compatibility, I currently only have one Sigma lens, which is the Sigma 12-24mm f4 DGHSM art lens. And I can confirm that with any of the EOS R's EF to EOS R adapters, that lens does work perfectly fine. I have no issues with the autofocus or anything else. So, if Sigma is going to get in on making RF mount lenses, that'll be fantastic because it'll give EOS R and RP shooters the ability to get good quality glass for considerably cheaper than what Canon sells their lenses for. The next bit of news I have for this week is on the Sony. Sony has announced the Alpha 9 Mark II mirrorless digital camera body. In quite an unusual fashion, Sony announced the new A9 Mark II without an official live stream presentation or journalist gathering. That's why you don't find hands-on videos. Here is all we know so far. 
You can pre-order the new body at B&H Photo, Adorama, Amazon, Focus Camera, Bydig, and Park Cameras. Press coverage news on Explora, product page at Sony UK, image samples at Sony UK, Sony A9 versus A9 II. The 10 main differences between the two cameras, you can find that at mirrorless comparison. The A92 is the camera Sony had to make, but they didn't make it for you. That comes from DP Review. Now, there are some videos along with this story, which is from SonyAlphaRumors.com, and I will include the link to this article with the videos in the show notes. And I know this is definitely going to be exciting for a lot of people. Um, I know uh, Jared Poland from Frono's Photo was recently talking about the possibility of an A9 Mark II and that he couldn't wait to get his hands on one. Now, for those of you that may not be aware, the A9 is Sony's flagship sports camera, which is capable of 20 frames per second, which is impressive and does eclipse the Canon 1DX Mark II, which can do 14 to 16 frames a second, depending on what mode you and file format you have it set for. Now, from the Sony press release, uh, the announcement of the A9 Mark II model ILCE-9M2, the latest model from Sony's acclaimed lineup of alpha full-frame interchangeable lens cameras, has been created specifically to support working professionals in the fields of sports photography and photojournalism. The new Alpha 9-2 builds on the impressive legacy of the original Alpha 9, maintaining groundbreaking speed performance, including blackout-free continuous shooting at up to 10, uh, 20 frames per second with autofocus and auto-exposure tracking, 60 times per second AFAE calculations, while incorporating even more functionality driven directly from the voice of professionals. Now, that's one thing I got to give Sony credit for. They do listen to their customers and update their future bodies and firmware accordingly, which is something that nobody else is currently doing. The updates include significantly enhanced connectivity and file delivery, continuous shooting at up to 10 frames per second with mechanical shutter, evolved AF performance with newly optimized algorithms, a redesigned build to enhance durability, operability, and more. Quote, the voice of our customers is absolutely critical to Sony. We are always listening, said Jan Salman, Director of Product Marketing, Digital Imaging, Sony Europe. Quote, the Alpha 9-2 is the direct result of countless feedback sessions with agency, sports, and news photographers since the launch of the original Alpha 9. We've added connectivity and network capabilities that drastically improve the professional workflow while also making subtle adjustments to design, interface, and processing power that complete the user experience. Complemented by our extremely versatile E-mount system with 55 native lenses introduced at this point, including the Super Telephoto 600mm and 400mm G Master Series lenses. This new camera is a tool unlike any other for professionals, either in the field or on the field. Raising the bar for built-in connectivity in the professional's workflow, the Alpha 9-2 includes an inbuilt 100 base T Ethernet terminal, enabling gigabyte or thousand base T. I apologize, enabling gigabyte communication for high-speed stable data transfer operations. Additionally, file transfer over SSL or TLS encryption, FTFPS, is supported for increased data security and PC remote tether shooting performance, 
is improved with de decreased release time lag and reduced live view screen delay when using the remote camera tool desktop application. The speed of the camera's built-in wireless LAN functionality has also been increased, adding a stable and fast 5 GHz IEEE 802.11ac band, in addition to the 2.4 GHz provided in the Alpha 9, the IEEE 802.11a, b, g, and ac standards are all supported. So that's exciting. You're going to have all of your wireless connectivity capabilities in the Alpha 9 Mark II. And you'll be able to use all the way up to the 802.11ac, which is supposed to be gigabyte wireless. Designed to improve the speed of news agencies' workflow, the Alpha 9 II features a new voice memo function that allows spoken information to be attached to images in the form of voice memos that can be replayed when the images are reviewed. The voice data can also be included with images sent to an editor, giving them important information needed for effective editing. Alternatively, a field photographer can also use the transfer and tagging add-on Imaging Edge, in quotes, application to transfer voice tags with the images to their mobile device and have the voice memos automatically converted to text and added to the JPEG images in the form of IPTC metadata. All of this can be done automatically or manually selected by the photographer. Now this is exciting to be able to record voice memos to go along with the images is going to be huge especially for photojournalists that might want to be able to attach a voice memo with more details on the image that they captured, uh, what was going on at the time, and so on and so forth. So that's definitely going to be exciting for photojournalists. By combining wireless voice image transfer and automatic voice to text conversion with the ability to auto transfer images with attached voice memos via FTP, it is possible to shoot and transfer the, the results to an FTP server without ever having to operate a smartphone. FTP settings within the app can also be sent to a camera via Bluetooth, allowing for a faster workflow. The Platinum Standard for Speed and Autofocus Performance, the new Alpha 9 II shares the same acclaimed 35mm full-frame stacked 24.2 megapixel Exmor RS CMOS image sensor with integral memory as the original Alpha 9, giving it the same unmatched speed, performance, and outstanding image quality. The new model can shoot continuously and completely silently at 20 frames per second for up to 361 JPEG images or 239 compressed RAW images with no viewfinder blackout, allowing the photographer to follow the subject and action with no interruption to the EVF during picture taking. Four times when mechanical shutter is preferred or required, the new Alpha 9 II has been improved to shoot at up to 10 frames a second, which is about two times the speed of the original Alpha 9. The camera is able to function while, whilst continually calculating autofocus and autoexposure at up to 60 frames per second with newly optimized AF algorithms that provide notably enhanced AF precision and performance ensuring that even the most erratic subject motion, often experienced in sports, is captured with high precision. Also useful for sporting events, the camera now offers an anti-flicker shooting mode that automatically detects and adjusts for the presence of fluorescent or artificial lighting to maximize image quality. Now this is definitely exciting because I'm sure most of you have heard about the issues with banding, 
um, under certain lighting conditions, especially with fluorescent light. So it sounds like Sony has optimized their software to prevent the possibility of that banding. The advanced focusing system in the new Alpha 9.2 is comprised of 693 focal plane phase detection AF points covering approximately 93% of the image area, as well as 425 contrast AF points. This fast hybrid autofocus system achieves extremely fast and accurate performance, ensuring all fast-moving subjects are accurately captured. Additional notable focusing capabilities include real-time IAF with right-eye, left-eye selection, real-time IAF for animals, augmented with new algorithm, real-time IAF for movie, real-time tracking, selectable focus frame color, touchpad focus point control while using the viewfinder, and more. AF can continuously track even in continuous shooting is greater than F16, providing further accuracy for shots that require slower shutter speeds. Now, as far as the refined build and operability, upgraded Bionis X image processing engine gains maximum benefits from the sensor's fast readout speed. Processor works with front-end LSI to enhance speed in AF and AE detection, image processing, face detection, accuracy, and more. Upgraded dust and moisture resistance designed to meet the needs of professionals and even the most challenging outdoor conditions. Stronger sealing provided at all body seams as well as the battery compartment cover and media slot. Now this is exciting because Sony is actually making their A9 Mark II even more durable uh, for those that shoot out in the field in an adverse condition. So that's definitely exciting. Latest image processing algorithm reduces noise in the medium to high sensitivity range while improving subject resolution and image quality. Five-axis optical in-body image stabilization system that provides a shutter speed advantage of 5.5 steps. An improved grip configuration for either, e even greater comfort and sure hold compatible with Sony VG-C4EM vertical grip. So the existing vertical grip will work on this model as well, which is something I wish Canon would do. I'm really sick and tired of Canon releasing a different battery grip for every damn camera they sell. <laughs> Pardon my French. Uh, improved button design and feel, increased diameter and feedback of the AF on button, a refined multi-selector joystick design, an exposure compensation dial lock button so you don't accidentally knock your exposure compensation out of whack. That has happened to people before. I've heard folks like Jared Poland talk about that. And a redesigned shape and new position for the rear dial. Redesigned shutter mechanism to suppress even the slightest movement that can cause image blur. Tested for durability in excess of 500,000 shutter cycles, which is extremely impressive. USB Type-C connector that supports fast USB 3.2 Gen 1 data transfer. Dual media slots that are both compatible with UHS-1 and UHS-2 cards, allowing higher overall capacity and faster read-write speeds. Now, this is going to be huge. I know uh, there had been some rumors that they were going to put two UHS-2 slots in the new Alpha 9. I think Sony also did it with the A7R4, um, which is exciting because to me it was kind of idiotic to have two SD card slots and one was UHS-1 and the other was UHS-2 because if you know anything about how the dual card slots and, and technology works, you know that if you have any of the previous Sony cameras, like the A7R3, 
that had one of each type of UHS slot and you're writing to both memory cards so you have redundancy for like shooting a wedding or something like that, it can only record at the speed of the slowest port. So being you had UHS-1 and UHS-2 before, both cards would only be capable of writing at UHS-1 speed, even if the UHS-2 slot had a UHS-2 card in it. So that's going to be exciting for professionals. They're going to love that. The digital audio interface has been added to the camera's multi-interface shoe, the MI shoe, enabling the new ECM-B1M shotgun microphone or the XLR-K3M XLR adapter kit to be connected directly to the MI shoe for cleaner, clearer audio recordings. Now, as far as pricing and availability, the Alpha 9.2 will ship in Europe in October 2019, priced at approximately 5,400 euros. For full product details on the Alpha 9.2, you can visit Sony's website in the UK, which I'll include this article in the show notes so you can have the links to it. For full product details on the Alpha 9.2, you can visit sony.co.uk electronics slash electronics slash interchangeable dash lens dash cameras slash ILCE dash 9M2. A product video on the new Alpha 2 can be viewed on their YouTube channel. A variety of exclusive stories, videos, and exciting new content shot with the newest camera and other Sony A9 products can be found at sony.co.uk slash alphauniverse, which is Sony's European photography hub, available in 22 languages. Now, I went to uh, bnh.com and the Alpha 9.2 is available for pre-order. The current price in the U.S. is $4,498. And it is expected to start shipping on Wednesday, November 6th of 2019. So it looks like European customers are going to get this camera a month earlier than those of us in the United States. Now, this is definitely exciting. Like I said, it's going to get a lot of people hyped up. There's a lot of sports shooters out there that have been waiting to see if uh, Sony was going to release an A9 Mark II. And now they are. So that is going to be a game changer for the folks that are shooting sports with the Sony mirrorless full-frame bodies. Next, there are four new Tamron FE lenses that are coming out. These are the specs of the four new Tamron FE mount lenses for Sony that will be announced in October. The 70, or 70 to 180 millimeter f2.8, the 20 millimeter f2.8, 24 millimeter f2.8, and the 35 millimeter f2.8. All four lenses have relatively compact size, but are reported to still have excellent image quality. Not going to doubt that statement, having seen the quality of their first two lenses, which were impressive. The Tamron 17 to 28 millimeter f2.8 FE. You can buy in the USA at BH Photo, Amazon, Focus Camera, Bydig, and Adorama. In Europe, it's available at Amazon DE, Calmont DE, Wex UK, Park UK, Amazon IT, Amazon FR, Amazon ES, and Camera Tools NL. The other existing lens, the Tamron 28-75 f2.8 FE, is available at Amazon, BH, BH Photo, Focus Camera, and Adorama. In Europe, at Amazon DE, Amazon UK, and Amazon FR, which is France. That's an there's an approximate size comparison with the Sony uh, 70 200 f2.8, 
and the sizes do look impressive. I'll include a link to this article in the show notes so you can check it out for yourself. <clears throat> so that's definitely exciting that Tamron's got some more lenses coming out for the Sony FE mount. That will also make a lot of Sony shooters happy to have those additional lenses. Now, the one other thing I wanted to talk about is a rumor that's out from CanonRumors.com. This is the last piece I want to talk about in this episode. And that's that Canon will release the EOS RA, which is an astrophotography camera. Now, back in June... The uh, Sony, or I'm sorry, CanonRumors.com reported about the possibility of a dedicated astrophotography EOS R system coming from Canon in late 2019. It turns out such a camera may in fact be coming in 2020. According to the source, they were told that a Canon EOS RA has appeared on an internal Canon roadmap for 2020. Now, the only time the A designation is used in Canon ILC camera models has been for the EOS 20DA and the EOS 60DA, which leads us to believe we will definitely be seeing a dedicated astrophotography camera. No specifications are known at this time, as only the model name has appeared on the internal document. There is, however, a chance that the model name is an internal code name for a different camera. Now, in an update, Canon themselves had mentioned the Canon EOS RA and an EOS R leaflet on one of their official sites. You can download the leaflet from the link that I'll include in the show notes from this article. The leaflet states the EOS RA is a version of the EOS R designed for astrophotography. This camera has approximately four times the transmittance of hydrogen alpha light 656NN as the EOS R. Photographs of the subjects that reflect a lot of infrared light will therefore appear redder than they actually are. Also, as it may not be possible to obtain an appropriate color balance or uneven colors may result, shooting normal subjects with this camera is not recommended. Camera operations are essentially the same for the EOS R. Refer to the included EOS R Getting Started Guide Booklet. Additionally, you can download the EOS R Advanced User Guide PDF file from the Canon website. And I will include a link to this uh, article in the show notes for this episode. So there you have it for episode 39 of the Leo Photography Podcast. There's a lot of exciting lens news coming out uh, from Tamron and Sigma, as well as the announcement of the Sony A92, and the possibility of an EOS RA for those that like to shoot astrophotography. I want to thank all of my listeners again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in iTunes and anywhere else that you might listen to the show, which includes Google Play, Spotify, and Radio.com, as well as others such as Stitcher. Still waiting to find out if the show's going to get added to Pandora or not. So far, I haven't gotten anything back from those folks. I also want to remind you that you can check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. You can join the group. It is a closed group. You can request to join. You only have to answer one question, and that is what is the name of the host of the show, which is myself, Liam, or you can put Liam Douglas. Either one will get you in. Once you're in, you are free to post up to five of your original images per 24 hours. You can do them one at a time, or you can upload them all at once and let Facebook create the little slideshow for your images. Now, I want to remind you, please do not share other people's images in the group. Even if you have permission, that will get you banned. We only want you to share your own original work. 
Now, I also want to remind you that you can post your images and ask for creative criticism by posting a tag of CC Please, and myself or one of the other photographers will be happy to look at your images and give you some pointers to help up your game. I also, as a last bit, wanted to remind the listeners you can reach the show via text or you can call and leave a voicemail at area code 470-294-8191. If you have any questions or you want to leave a comment on an episode or if you want to suggest a subject for a future episode, feel free to call or text that number, which again is area code 470-294-8191. I want to thank everybody again for listening, and I will see you again next week in episode 40.